Welcome back to Cash Grab Cinema. You're about to listen to a redupt episode. This is Blank Check Disney Travesty or Amazement. You'll <laughs> listen and find out and then you'll know. This is one of the, um, I would say this is one of the golden classic gems of um, of the podcast. Oh, I'm glad we went into the vault. To you cannot, get- <laughs> okay, no, mm, you cannot say the word vault and Disney that close together. They will come for you. They got that fuck you Disney money. Uh-oh. I also really enjoy this episode. Uh, I would have to say that me and Trey are on point and uh, Josh is there. Yeah, this is the first episode with Trey. So yeah, this, it was. Is the, this is where this is where we learn about the trifecta and that, or the bifecta, and I'm just plus Josh. <laughs> I feel like that's fair. <laughs> we should definitely write a song like Rachel and Trey, two best friends, and Josh is there, <laughs> and like he's in the back waving really far away, just happy to be part of it. Yeah. Yep. So if you don't understand why the episode is being redubbed and you're getting a re-release, then go check out our new first episode called Explanations, and you'll understand why we have to do this. Um, it's kind of annoying, but we really don't want to let go of all these episodes we already put out because we're really proud of them, and a lot of them are really funny. Some of them suck. But this one is really good. <laughs> yeah, but this, this, one's, this one's fire. Totally. All right. So enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Cash Grab Cinema. Today we're going to be reviewing Blank Check, Disney classic. They took this out of the vault. I'm Rachel. Hi, I'm Josh. And today we have a super special guest all the way from down the street. (laughs) Hi, I'm Trey. Nice to meet you. Thank you for joining us, Trey. All right. So I feel like it's only fitting for me to ask you. Blank check. How are you feeling about it? I'm uh, feeling real conflicted. Very confusing. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So many choices I don't understand. Directorial. Did you watch it when you were a kid? I did. I didn't remember until I saw the movie today, but I, I do remember wanting to buy a lot of the things that were in that movie. Yes. <laughs> like a virtual reality headset. <laughs> yes. And a go-kart. And a go-kart for your backyard, your personal go-kart. A giant gerbil wheel. <laughs> I also falsely thought that a million dollars could fit inside of a backpack. <laughs> Uh, because of this movie specifically, I thought it was like a, a very small amount of money. <laughs> you were just like, when grown up Trey definitely <laughs> gets a million dollars, I'm yes. getting a book bag for it. With no holes and multiple zippers. The most secure place for your money, a book bag. <laughs> so, um, so this movie came out in uh, 1994 at the height, I would say, of America's descent into commercial madness. So much product placement. Yeah. It, apparently the movie cost $13 million to make. Mm-hmm. Do you think it was just a wash after they got their Pepsi check? <laughs> just... Coca-Cola. Oh, thank, thank you. I hate to misrepresent a brand like that. Coca-Cola. Props to you for this delightful piece of cinema. Okay. So I feel like it opens in the weirdest way. Like we're, yes. We think we're watching a children's movie. Cut to Terminator 2. <laughs> So much wet pavement. <laughs> Why is he running on a railroad track? Did he escape from jail and is right next to railroad tracks? Well, actually, he escaped from jail, but he couldn't find his way back to town. And so... Followed, his, followed the tracks back. His old friend, Boxcar Sam, used to take him aside and say, if you ever confused, just stay on the track. And then, <laughs> and then he goes into a, a, a abandoned building, windows boarded, all that, to get this hidden briefcase full of money. Can't get the door open. Oh, right. And finds a perfectly <laughs> fine working blowtorch and safety equipment. Yes. Yeah. And the next shot, he's got the mask <laughs> on and everything. Safety first, people. Yeah. Safety first. But it worked. Like, the roof is rusted out, and it's raining inside. <laughs> but don't worry, the blowtorch is fine, and yeah. nothing's rusted. I don't know why. Set to the right settings already. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It annoyed me so much that it was still working. I don't know if y'all can hear our fourth guest, but there is a fly in here. A big one. Yeah. He's just going to, you'll just hear him buzzing around. So, I think I finally get that line when um, Tone Loke is told to be a fly on the wall. Oh. It's Tone Loke in spirit, but he's not really dead. <laughs> yeah, okay, real quick, before we really get into the plot, I mean, this movie is filled to the brim with stars. You got with, your Tone well, Lokes. Well, with 1994 stars. <laughs> yes. You have yeah. your Funky Tone Loke. Funky Cole Medina. 
You have your um, lady who was the villain's sidekick in Dumb and Dumber. We don't remember her name if we're not going to look it up. Karen um, Duffy. Why is it that every Disney movie where you're supposed to identify with this downtrodden child, somewhat downtrodden, their brothers are like the worst people you have ever experienced while the parents are just like, oh, you. <laughs> It's almost like they can't see those children half the time. They just like exist in their periphery somehow, and but they only see the child that we're supposed to identify with. Right. Well, you know what? As I've gotten older, you do realize your parents are people. So maybe Disney's just trying to teach us that early. Like, these parents oh. have their own problems. We're not going to explain them to you in any way. No. You're supposed to hate them. But that's that's what's happening. Those parents got problems. But you know, I would say we've we've gotten a bit more sophisticated, and like Inside Out, the parents had problems. But it was mm. a, even it was it was animated, and it was more believable right. compared to the wooden well, I mean, acting of. of well, blank <laughs> check. They don't tell you what any of those problems are. They're just like woefully neglectful. <laughs> it's true. Well, it's, okay, so it's established early on that this family, all the dad cares about, and the mom too, and the brothers, all they care about is money. Mm, money, like, being entrepreneurs. So after we leave the criminal who's found his money again, we enter in on the main character and his two brothers coming into the into his room to set up their business called Hand, Foot, and Mouth. That's a disease <laughs> that children get from not wiping their butts properly and not washing their hands afterwards. <laughs> I never The great it. SEO, though. <laughs> they'll do well when people try and Google them. So, so, there's going to be so many hits. They never tell you what these brothers do, but the dad is so proud of their entrepreneurial spirit. Even though they steal from their brother, yeah, which that never went addressed. No, he's like, yeah, he steal all his money from the get-go. Don't tell dad. <laughs> if that was you as a kid and your sibling stole your money, what's the first thing you're going to do? The very first thing. And he just like, he let, he lets it go. Yeah, t- steal my money. Yeah. I'm going to cry about money through this whole movie, <laughs> but steal my money. And then the dad gives the brothers a new computer and like, I wrote this down. It's the best line. The software on here will teach you anything. But how to make love to a woman. <laughs> You know what, Trey? I feel like this would be, I feel like the line would be so much better delivered if you, if you could just say it for us. Okay, let, may I, I want to wanna get this right. Oh, please. The software in here will teach you anything but how to make love to a woman. <laughs> thank you, thank you. This is masterful. For that, you're going to need to buy tickets to my seminar. I'm going to be at the Hilton. So, Preston leaves his horrible house. <laughs> with his neglectful parents and abusive brothers and goes to his friend's birthday party but the kid is really mean to him like just why did you invite Preston if you hate him this much I I think he was just there for him and his other friends to shit on because that's all they do yeah and then strangest theme park ever works off of tokens you have to pay tokens to ride all the rides Preston Poor kid. He only has six tokens. That's a dollar per token exchange rate, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. This is 1994, not 2017. You should be getting more tokens for six bucks. So that means that first ride that he couldn't go on cost seven dollars. Uh, yes. In yes. 1994 money. Yes. To go on a roller coaster mm-hmm. ride. I'm sorry. I you beseech are, you. You are overpriced. On one roller coaster. One. <laughs> That's insane. You can get a season pass to Dollywood for almost that much money. <laughs> I need to hear some good music while you're there. But, I mean, mm. at this point, what are we like? Maybe 10, 15 minutes into the movie? Yeah. And this kid is so greedy. I realize he doesn't have a lot of money, but somehow he's a spoiled rich kid without being rich. Yeah, he's very entitled for, for whatever reason. I, I don't understand. It seems like that's the only thing that he learned at the end of the movie. Yeah, it's painful. So he gets a check from his grandmother. Oh, real quick, if I may interject. Please. He gets this birthday card from his grandmother. This is how this goes back to what you are saying about what a greedy little shit he is. He, he just rips open the card, doesn't give it a glance, and just like looks for the check in it. And yeah. he grabs the check out. Dude, I would have gotten that check taken away. If I it's was like he never properly learned how to do that. Like, him opening the card, looking straight at the money. <laughs> Gonna faint. <laughs> oh, oh, beautiful sentiment. Beautiful. Put this here on the mantle. Oh, I love it. I'm going to cherish it. 
Oh, look at this. I didn't even notice this before. I was so, I was so moved by the message of the card. Oh, huh, what do you what do you know? There's some money in it. That's that's so sweet. I'm very grateful. Yeah, I'm I love the card more, but thank you so much for this money. That's and that's how you do it, kids. But that is not the case. No, Preston was just a just a shithead. And, yeah. Um, and then his dad good. works in the title and says, "Oh, it's a blank check." <laughs> Because his poor doddering grandmother forgot to fill it out. She, <laughs> Probably she, losing her marbles. Poor thing. She spent half of her monthly Social Security income on the card, and then the other half on the check, and Preston can't even be bothered to read it. But this also messed me up when I was a kid, because I didn't understand how money worked. I thought all blank checks, like checks that were not filled out, were blank checks. And so my grandma gave me one. After I watched this movie, I was like, so how do I get the money now? Where do I get the millions? Yeah. I was like, so it's blank, so I can write anything I want on it now, right? And that's how this works. That's what Disney taught me. Yeah. Yeah. Improper economics. So he goes to the bank, which is a surprising move for a child so greedy, but Mm -hmm. let's move along with him as we go to the bank. Well, uh, under the the flimsy pretext that that's the only way he's going to keep his asshole brothers from stealing it is to throw it in a vault. (laughs) You know what? Fair point. I apologize, Preston. (laughs) On the way, we are treated to these strangest smash cuts, pulling in and out of folk. It's very jarring. Like, throw in some Dutch angles just in case you think it's like a monster is going to come. We get there, and there she is. Oh, yes. There's Shay. There's Shay. The female love interest in this child's movie. (laughs) This 30-year-old woman that... Preston is immediately smitten with, which you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. He is at the right age to see a woman and be like, oh, she's pretty. But then she proceeds to tell him he needs a $200 minimum balance to hold <laughs> in a bank. What bank is this? this is, is it Deutsche Bank? Is it just for billionaires? Is that the kind of bank? This is the kind of bank Bernie Sanders was trying to teach us about keeping poor oh, people poor. Okay. <laughs> So you want to open up an account? <laughs> well, we require a reverse mortgage and uh, a vial of blood. <laughs> Whose blood? Any blood will do. Virgin blood runs better. <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> they're evil. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm sorry. Oh, is that why she wanted the child? <laughs> The best tangent, Trader's pitch, the best movie I've ever heard of. She needs his virginal blood yeah. for his for her evil doings. For her evil FBI doings. Yeah. Right, yeah. So so spoilers, she's in the FBI. Oh yeah. So he goes to the bank, he realizes he can't open an account because he's too poor. And she's like, well, get the money, and I'll definitely remember you. Come back and see specifically me. Yes. This isn't the buddings of the most strangest relationship you'll ever recount to your therapist later on in life. Although it is weird. I don't know if you noticed this, but every time there was a close-up on her face, there was, like, a lot of soft light. So much soft light. It's almost like she's saying, come back and see me sometime, big boy. Yes. (laughs) It's very, like... She positively glows. Yes. Very Emmanuel uh, <laughs> in space. So before Preston leaves the bank, somebody else has come to do some banking. That's right, quickly. The evil mastermind who found the super convenient blowtorch at the beginning of the movie has come to get his money laundered. I'm speaking from inexperience here. I don't think that's how you get your money laundered. No. You go straight to the bank be like, hello, can you please launder this money for me? Thank you. Uh, this is before the days of Better Call Saul. <laughs> <laughs> so the banker, I guess they are old evil acquaintances, agrees to do this because of the most lightly threatening you've ever seen a criminal do. If I can, if I want to lay out this scene real quick, because it's an interesting way that that the director chose to to time this dialogue it it plays out like sort of dragnet Mm -hmm. that that sort of breakneck speed of what are you going to do if i don't give you the money well i'm gonna have to hurt your family oh no that's too bad you're darn right it's too bad and then give me the money knock over a picture of your family yeah he picks it up and just sort of like throws it down lightly it doesn't even break the glass oh i could come by and graze all of their knees (laughs) at any time i want watch your back it's at this point in the movie that i really get the impression that either the director or the producer or disney or somebody is just like you get two tries (laughs) 
<laughs> get two takes per scene. That's it. We yeah. got to get this thing out there. It's going to be a smash hit. They did make $30 million. <laughs> The quicker we can slap this on screens, the quicker Coke is going to pay us our money. <laughs> that, you know what, Josh? That is brilliant. It, would, yeah. it, was, it was Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola's like, you get two chances. Yeah. And Disney's Coke. like, yes, Master, anything else I can do for you? As well as Belkin, Sharper Image. Definitely Sharper Image. They, Hagen- got, they must have Definitely Sharper coin. Image. Yeah. haagen ice cream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They which got several is, mentions, too. Yeah, it, which is weird. I don't even think I can recall a haagen ice cream commercial off the top of my head. <laughs> but they definitely wanted to be in this blank check product placement movie. Even though every time he ate ice cream, it was out of a trash can. So <laughs> that didn't have haagen name on it. Why did they do that? <laughs> they were pushing a new size. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was, like, All right. it's the, the elegant trash can. It's child size. <laughs> when you liquefy a child. Quigley wants his money laundered. This banker, terrified of his super scary threats, agrees to do it. And he's like, okay, tomorrow, a guy named Juice is going to come get it. He leaves the bank. And at this time, that crappy kid from the birthday party has stolen the check of our protagonist from his poor grandgrams. And he's speeding away on his bike. And somehow, Quigley still manages to hit him with his car, even though they've been speeding away on their bikes for a solid five to eight minutes. They still haven't left the parking lot. (laughs) They still haven't left the parking lot. They should be back at their houses by now, but no, 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 they're in the parking lot. He falls in the most awkward (laughs) stage fall. Two tries, Rachel, two tries. (laughs) Two tries. This is good as it's going to get. Roll with it. Quigley, without checking his mirrors, runs, somehow misses the kid completely and only hits his bike. So the boy's okay, although after, like, Quigley jerked him up by his neck, I feel like that may have broken a couple of bones. (laughs) I like how the concerned mother didn't come over there until Quigley started lightly threatening this kid. Just, like, it makes you wonder what kind of neighborhood this took place in. (laughs) Because if, if if I saw someone jerk up even their own child like that, it'd be like, oh, she would definitely call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> but they just were very much passive observers for a good five or ten minutes. Yeah, just, yeah. Well, let's see how this plays yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, we're, 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 we're away. I don't want to. <laughs> poke my nose in where it don't blow. It was a different time. It was a Yeah, I mean, where a grown man could threaten two children that weren't even his openly in public. Uh, we won't see days like that again. <laughs> he is being forced by the other child, like, oh, you broke his bike, you better give him a thousand dollars. And he gets his checkbook out, the checkbook that the banker gave him. Then the, then the cops show up all the way to the other side of the parking lot, <laughs> unrelated to this instant. He's like, I better get, cheese it. The fuzz is coming. Gives the kid a blank check, thinks that's gonna work out great, and then leaves. And we cut to Preston in his room with his brother's Macintosh computer. The computer that will teach him everything. If you were not sure that it was a Macintosh computer, don't worry. The camera has a slow zoom um, onto the label. So slow. It's the the product placement of this movie. It's so blatant and it's, apparent. It's saturated. They got the whole thing. They they don't make it at all. Sort of you know in the background or just a it's little bit. It's the Mattel Choco by hour. We gotta fill the screen. It's <laughs> <laughs> barely legal as it is. So Preston with his blank check, is trying to decide how much to rip this man off for. Because, I mean, (laughs) yes, he yelled at him. Yes, he grabbed the back of his shirt. But he didn't assault him or anything. Can we back up? I'm so sorry. We skipped over my favorite scene where you cut to Preston talking to his parents and his parents lecturing him about the bike. Supposedly, we're just supposed to glean here that he told his parents he was hit by a car and they're mad at him for breaking his bike. So he gets grounded for it, doesn't he? Yes, he gets grounded. And then the speech that he gives his parents. uh... (laughs) It was like... It was right in that magic moment when the entire world was captivated by Jonathan Taylor Thomas. JTT. JTT, as he's known. I mean, I think... Earlier, we had a conversation about this. You could say JTT, and people will know who you're talking about. He's, he's that. If you say JTT, and the first thing that comes to someone's mind is Jonathan Taylor Thomas, I can guarantee you they're over 30. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> but, yeah, the conversation was, look, Mom and Dad, look, I, I know, look, I know that I need to be, like, really responsible. 
responsible, but it was so weird. And the weird thing is, the, the thing that I love so much about it was that from the angles and how it was shot and edited, it looked like it was shot on two different days. Like, oh, just... yeah. <laughs> yes. on, the, on the parent side, it was probably sun's coming up. It's the morning. You can clearly tell. And then on the other side, it's a lot darker, probably late evening. But there's just as many windows on his side as their side. Yeah. It's, it's just lazy. Two takes. That's it. That's it. The kid messed up the first take. They're like, oh. <laughs> hey, Jonathan, when, when you pass by the window, make sure you stay long enough so that people can read sharper image. <laughs> we need to pause hard on that sharper image. They paid for craft services. <laughs> he makes his check for a million dollars, his blank check, and goes back to the bank. Who else is bothered by the fact, even if they thought, like, oh, this is juice, it's definitely Juice coming back for the money. He was only in that bank for like two minutes. And they give him a million dollars. Because he goes back to see his um, his sexy teller, Paramore. But she isn't there. Uh, there's instead an older woman who is supposed to be, by all the, the horns in the background, uh, considered to be quite ugly. And she is mm-hmm. very mean to him. And so instead of like, you know, doing her job, she's like, I'm going to just take this up to my manager. And he's going to deal with you, unfortunately. This is Niedermeyer. Niedermeyer. Niedermeyer, yes. He's also dumb. <laughs> so he... So many dumb adults. Yes. That's, that's a trope in a lot of kids' movies, isn't yes. it? It's like, oh, all of those are just morons. But so. he asks questions that no one does in real life. This check is from Quigley, right? And the kid's like, uh-huh, yeah. Uh, Niedermeyer says, juice. And Preston says, no thanks, I'm not thirsty. And that was good enough. Well, that's the response. And then when he says the word juice, they focus in on his teeth really hard for, so you can get a good shot of his tobacco stain. Yeah. He smokes on the right side. He was hitting him hard in this movie. Two takes. It's really the directorial flourishes that um, elevate this movie. Yeah, I, you could tell the guy, the person who directed this movie probably just wanted to make a serious movie. Because he's taking so many different directors and trying to put their... He's trying to spin it into his movie. And it just doesn't work. It looks weird at every turn. Because doing those things out of context just makes it be like, so what am I supposed to pay attention to here? (laughs) What am I supposed to be feeling? I can't tell. Like, is he scared of this child? (laughs) So, Quigley, mastermind, gives the kid a million dollars. Neither way. Niedermeyer, thank you. Quigley is the bad guy. Yeah, of course he is. With a name like Quigley, he's got to be bad. Mm. I mean, if you met someone named Quigley, wouldn't you be really, really afraid of them? I mean, that's like being called Butch Hammerstein. (laughs) (laughs) The kid gets the money. He leaves with the money. And then enters one of the best characters, and I'm not even kidding, in the whole movie... He was Juice. Was it just Juice? Did he have an actual name? Well, he goes by Juice, and then he introduced himself to Niedermeyer as Big Juice. (laughs) Point. (laughs) I think that was just a flourish. But we're, of course, talking about the legendary uh, star of stage, screen, and stage... And his music career. That's uh, that's the other stage I was mentioning. Oh, thank you. Um, Mr. Tone Loke. Yes. Funky Coldina. That's right. He has some of the best zingers. He's definitely the audience character. He's saying what you would have said as a kid. And I love him. Just a whole movie of him and the cab driver, limo driver, Henry. Oh man, they should have had a spin-off. Yeah. A sequel, totally. Spin-off. That way I don't have to see that kid ever again. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so like plot-wise, so Niedermeyer like stacks uh, uh, Preston's... A million dollars in a book bag. Yep, yes. because that can happen. Definitely doable, don't look into it. There's and then... fives, tens, and twenties. No <laughs> hundreds. I didn't see any hundreds. No, not at all. So so he's got the book bag filled, he's walking through the hall. Who just happens to come along at the same time? It's the real juice. And they have a little exchange. And they see each other. And they talk to each other for what seems like about... They have a two-minute scene or something. Yeah, and then the boy drops the book bag on his sneakers, and he's just like, I'm about to ride on these fools. <laughs> he, he, he gets up in this child's face. Like, you better hope I don't hurt you. Like, <laughs> why are you, as an adult, threatening a child you don't know in an empty hallway? This can only end badly. <laughs> 
so Preston gets away, and um, Juice meets with uh, Niedermeyer and comes to the very abrupt conclusion that he gave that million dollars to the wrong person. To a child. To like, an 11-year-old kid. Next, he takes his bike and the million, drives by the castle that's like six or eight houses down from his house. So I don't I don't understand how his family is struggling financially to live that close to that castle. Yeah, I mean they're the castle district. They're yeah. in the castle district. Oh, okay. So he takes the sign, the for sale sign, goes home to make the deal. He needs a castle. And at the castle, currently in real life, is Quigley wanting to buy the castle. Yeah. From the strangely cast owners, current owners of the home. Like, they seem like the kind of parents you see wringing their hats at an orphanage. (laughs) Yes. Lisa. They look like extras from Little House on the Prairie. They're just like, hey, you guys want to be in this movie? It's just for like a day. All the Coca-Cola you can drink. Just make sure you pick it up and show it to the camera real good. We'll come by and spritz it so it looks like it's got the perfect amount of condensation on it. Hey guys, just stay out of the Coca-Cola's light. (laughs) It's hilarious how poor they made these rich people look. And and yeah, at at first they were going to sell the castle, this giant mansion. It last recently sold to Roger Rodriguez. Am I saying Robert Rodriguez. For something like $2.3 million. I can't imagine that from 1994 to, I think he bought it sometime in 2011, the inflation would be that much because wow. the kid gets it for 300000 And at first it was listed at one fifty. That's what Quigley was going to get it for. He was going to get it for less than that, one twenty. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he was trying to undercut these people. Why was their house already empty? <laughs> I don't know. Poor castle-owning peasants. They probably got most of their money from, like, they had turned their, they had outfitted their house into, like, a pleasure dungeon. And, I uh, want to hear more from these poor castle people. Me too. And their poverty. It's a real shame. So, okay, can I talk about the deal real fast? Please. Because this is just fantastic. And what I love, I love a great example of in 90s cinema, a complete misunderstanding of what technology can actually do. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> this is what we get here. Preston goes back, he takes the, si- the for sale sign with him so he can remember the phone number because he's an idiot, and he gets on his computer and he uses a voice, uh, a text-to-speech software, basically, to get into a bidding war with Quigley over this house. So how does that go? Now, the the software he used was called the Realinator or something, and it's built specifically for you to be able to win a bidding war for a re- I don't, why does it, it has, like, the text-to-speech software in it, as well as, like, actually, I think that's it. How does that help you... My house. There, was, there also, was a photo of the house at the same time. It also I, had, it, the software also included moving lips because the production could not afford a full max headroom. It couldn't afford a full head. It's like, we can get you lips. And that's what it had. It was the weirdest look at it. Just, a, a, again, a complete misunderstanding of what technology is capable of. And then Steve Jobs saw that and he's like, I can do that. Yeah. It was weird. He wins the house. Inadvertently, when his mom says, I'll be back at three, and they hear this on the other line, not questioning that it went from a robot voice to a woman's voice. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, we'll take no. that, $300,000. So in less than an hour, he has spent third of his millions, <laughs> yeah. million, his yeah. singular million. Real quick, if I can backtrack just a slight bit. Why did nobody question the robot voice? I mean, you they have... did, they did. Like, What's wrong with your voice? I have a cold throat or something like that. You couldn't even think of the No, yeah, it was throat. like, I have a cold. <laughs> <laughs> and like, oh, and that was enough. Okay, yeah. cool. We're gonna sign Wash away this deal. This. But that surf couple really was very charmed. <laughs> the surfs. <laughs> they were. <laughs> yes, in my head, they've taken over from the landed gentry that died of uh, consumption, and that's why. Is this movable typeface? We can never let them see. <laughs> that's a beautiful mockery. <laughs> then we meet Henry. Beautiful, charming. They didn't have enough money for Chris Farley, Henry. (laughs) Ah, and he is delightful. He is truly a jewel in this movie. He has one of the funniest lines. Line your pockets with plastic wrap when you go to the buffet. (laughs) Take some salad with you. It says all you can eat, not all you can eat while you're here. (laughs) 
He was an absolute delight. So that actor, his name is Rick Dukeman, and he's a Canadian actor. He uh, sadly passed away a couple years ago. He was in a lot of really cool stuff. He was in Groundhog Day. So the kid meets Henry and gives him, like, a stack of money to be his driver to get to the house that he needs to get to. But instead, they immediately skip to a montage of really, like, fun... Fun activities. Like, they become instant friends after he hands them that money. He's like, okay, I'll be your driver, and also we'll, uh... We'll be best bros. Yeah. It's like they <laughs> they shot that montage and then forgot it until the edit, and it's like, well, sh- shit, we gotta put it in somewhere. Because this is where most of the product placement is. Because <laughs> yeah. this is him outfitting his, or pimping, excuse me, his his already uh, immaculate castle with a racetrack. Uh, water slide. Water slide. That goes straight from his bedroom to his pool. Yeah. Real talk, those are dr- those life goals right there. Yeah. Because the first thing I want to do <laughs> in the morning when I wake up is to see if I can save myself from drowning. <laughs> <laughs> but this is when uh, all the sharper image stuff goes in, uh, is in there. The huge Coca-Cola trucks. Huge, co- um, giant Coca-Cola <laughs> trucks, but they don't, like, there's nothing inside of the home that's Coke-related. No. Why did he just need that giant truck? They're hoping to move in. Yeah. As a favor, yeah. they do that, too. Yeah. I mean, if you buy enough Coca-Cola products, they will be your friends. <laughs> also, haagen Also, haagen You know, it's weird. I, you know, I wonder if haagen changed their policy on product placement, because the only two movies I can think of that mention haagen are this movie and Adventures in Babysitting. But what I find funny is if you watch this movie during during the shopping montage, he's spending so much money. And like Trey was saying, like I could buy that whole outfit at a thrift store. <laughs> yes. Um, you could buy all of those TVs for around 100 bucks, And I'm talking like 50 TVs. Yes. It was a wall of TVs. But it looks so antiquated for some reason. I don't know. Even, <laughs> even when I was a kid and he had that wall of TVs, I was just thinking, why didn't he just get a movie screen? Yeah. Nouveau Riche. Is that what this movie's about? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's spending all this money. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and uh, a lot of the product placement happens. By this point, Preston has come up with a plan on how to hide his identity as a new millionaire. Well, he's Macintosh. He, yes, that's right. He becomes the personal assistant of the rich, fabulous Macintosh that nobody has met. And his parents learn of this from the moving in scene because one of the trucks is blocking their parents' driveway. And they don't question it. Like, oh, you work for a supposed multimillionaire. And you're his personal assistant? Personal assistant. You work in his home and we've never met him? Oh, we're cool with that. That's fine. Because he is finally taking initiative and making money and being the capitalist that his father has almost beaten in him to be. Now they can finally love him. Yes. (laughs) In this family, we we respect industry way more than your safety. And then Shay, the beautiful soft-lit banker... (laughs) comes to meet Mr. McIntosh. They don't really explain why she's there. How did she find out about him? So she's there to investigate the guy who owns the bank? Partly, and then also the money laundering. She's trying to figure out who's trying to get their money laundered. It's very, uh, it's bouncing mm-hmm. all over the place trying to cover up these plot holes. Like, no, 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 we explained it over there. Don't look. It just goes to show that with, like, flimsy plot devices like that just how little filmmakers at that point had for i mean might still do but they don't respect the intelligence of a child audience they just think here's a bunch more we could say absolutely anything they don't know Definitely. how the world works yeah there's some even now like despicable me 3 that's a straight to dvd movie and they do they're just like fart jokes <laughs> good enough give us your money kid <laughs> Whatever you're watching, fuck you. (laughs) So, anyways, Preston tells Shay, well, I can tell you all about Macintosh's money. I deal mostly with his financials. This grown woman says, oh, okay, (laughs) let's go on a date. Yes, I accept this fully at face value. Tell me more. (laughs) See you at dinner. I love you. I I think, honestly, she lost herself from it. She was blinded by her her passion. (laughs) Just in too deep. Yeah. <laughs> There's no back down now. So Preston gets ready. They didn't prepare me for this. <laughs> My FBI training. There's no handbook on love. 
1994? Very provocatively. Yes. For her date with an 11-year-old. Even though she still had four straps on, I was trying to figure out the geometry of all of that. It wasn't wasn't pretty. Mm-mm. So little was in the way of clothing that came out of the 80s. And it's like coming back around, just like, mm, girl, yeah. what are you doing? Just attaching random Velcro lines to things. Ugh. You know what? And felt. <laughs> <laughs> It's lore. <laughs> so they're out on the date, and I looked this up, and according to a blog post, this date cost Preston almost $500. He is just blowing through that money. He's baller. He's baller. So now, do, do you remember what they were eating? I feel like <laughs> I feel like what they wanted was lobster. Yes, that's and, what they wanted. And Coca-Cola was like, you have enough money? So they went with crawdaddies instead. Yeah. Here you go, some giant prawns. <laughs> the, the height of class. <laughs> Crawdaddies. It really goes to show you that this movie was made for, Cal- like, it was made in Texas, but made to look like it was made in California. But they were down in Texas, and what do Southern people like? Crawdaddies. Yeah. And yeah, we need some lobsters here. Lobsters. We ain't got no lobsters. You know what's funny is it just goes to show how stupid I actually, am. Actually, I feel like what actually happened was <laughs> lobsters. Well, I mean, we got these tiny lobsters. <laughs> and the nearsighted production assistant was like, perfect! <laughs> no, it just goes to show how stupid I am because as we were watching, I was just like, oh, the little baby lobsters. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, did you work on Blank Check? <laughs> Are you the nearsighted production assistant? (laughs) (laughs) And then Preston gives her a necklace, a gold necklace with diamonds. And what advice did I lend you, gentlemen, upon seeing that heart-shaped necklace? Nobody wants heart-shaped jewelry. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants it. Except for maybe your mommy, if you're five. That's fine. Uh, But he gives her this... And and he is not that far away from five, so... All is forgiven, Preston. Much closer to five than to her age. 30. And her, the face when she takes the jury is kind of like, I'm touched by this, I guess? I don't know. It's a very confusing performance. Yes. So, yeah, I feel like there's some some mixed signals here. Like, they wanted to be safe enough for the reveal down the road about her being an FBI agent. It also felt eerily authentic. You know, like she was really into Preston. Yeah. Too much so. Just like, oh, she's just faking it. I don't know. Okay, well, yeah, well, let's let, let's talk. Let's talk about. Well, then there's a ker- kerfuffle, if you will. <laughs> Preston pulls the tablecloth onto himself and falls backwards. So they leave and get burgers, and then they have a grossly romantic romp. Through a water fountain. Which he has timed to music or... Perfectly timed. I don't know how he's Or timed to the randomness of their movements. What was happening? I don't know, but by the end of it, they're both soaking wet and... She, yeah. And it's the kind of soaking... <laughs> She's wet. loving it. Yes! It's the kind of soaking wet you would have seen in the Baywatch TV show. It's meant yeah. to be sexy. It's very herbal essence. Uh, as, the, as the water skeet-skeeted skyward, um, I got the feeling that perhaps an 11-year-old version of me watching the film, because um, funnily enough, I was exactly 11 when this movie came out. I would have been Preston's age, right? Uh-huh. So this movie was made for precisely me in 1994. Let's take it back. 1994, Josh. Yeah. Did you find the relationship between Preston and the FBI agent strange? I thought it was a romance tale of, of for the ages. I really, I really. Were meant... you as a kid just like, oh, I, I could do, yeah. That would I, I be get, me. I get it. I mean, I think it's weird that they went through with it, <laughs> but, but I understand. I understand why to... he finds her attractive. Right. It's weird how much she reciprocates that attraction. She definitely, I don't know, entertains his advances or seems, like, genuinely flattered by them. Because mm. after they run around the fountain, she says, Oh, well, I have, I feel like I haven't done something like that since I was a kid. Or, like, I feel like a kid again. I was just thinking, but you're not. But you he... know that, right? You know that you're not one, though. And he is. <laughs> He's a child. Yes, you are not. You're just going to take her by the <laughs> You know that, right? <laughs> Smash cut to Juice 
Quigley and Niederman. Niederman. Yes. They've been looking this whole time from Preston. <laughs> what? And they've been doing a bang up job of it too. These guys, they don't know to, to, for like a master criminal and a crooked banker and a and like hired hand, a hired hand, hired muscle, hired muscle. They're they're not really good at finding this eleven year old kid who's never ventured outside of their very very small neighborhood. <laughs> I love it when jazz or juice, excuse me. I love it when Juice is like, I could definitely spot this kid again. Niederman gives him a <laughs> photograph taken from the security camera and while holding it upside down, he's like, I could definitely spot him again. And then they correct it. He turns it the right way and he gives this high eyebrow expression of that's what a kid looks like? <laughs> This is when we learned that Juice Juice is legally blind. He cannot see. Actually, I think Juice can see just fine as long as it's himself. It's so beautiful. <laughs> they go to a, a theme park. I think the same theme park as the crappy kid's birthday. Quigley asks Juice, is that him? I don't know. That could be him. She could be him. <laughs> I'm going to go on the water slide. <laughs> He's got some zingers. Yes. <laughs> yes. Tom Logue brings the pain. I, I will say. Quality characters. Preston, his soon-to-be future girlfriend, <laughs> run away from the water fountain because Preston sees them like, oh, I'm going to get out of here. And they drive off and they make another date. Like, <laughs> it keeps going. <laughs> She's falling in love. <laughs> yeah. She gets back to her house, looks at herself in the mirror. What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> No, that, that, that scene doesn't happen. I like to think it's a deleted scene. She's writing um, her name with his last name. <laughs> Shay McIntosh. <laughs> Preston tells her, because she's just like, you know, I really want to meet this McIntosh guy. And so Preston says, oh, well, he's having a party on Friday. That This is the next date that they make. Mm. He invites her to this party. McIntosh's birthday party. McIntosh's birthday party, which is upcoming. They Can I just that. say the last... 20, 30 minutes. It's like the movie just won't end. It's just, it is slushing by. like. Because everything that leads up to the party is nonsense. It's so unnecessary. <laughs> and you could tell they just, they ran short. Mm-hmm. They needed some filler. And they're like, we'll just put some party mm-hmm. montage up. <laughs> this movie has no less than four montage scenes. I'm surprised there wasn't more slow-mo <laughs> to fill in the gaps. Well, I mean, when you have to fit in the volume of product placement that you see in this movie. And again, okay, so let's let's just lay it out. There's this there's this one shot where the dad is walking down the street as all these things are getting set up and you see the logos of at least like four or five different businesses in in these trucks. And you see like a a pallet of Haagen-Dazs ice cream hitting the pavement or something like that. It's just Montages specifically for the purpose. Let's fill the screen with a logo. There was two product paste, product placement montages. Yeah, there were two artistic, oh, yeah. artistic, uh, well, plot driven. So he spends Preston spends ten a ten thousand dollar deposit on this party that looks like you could have thrown it together for about fifteen hundred bucks. And it's weird because it's he says that it's Macintosh's birthday, but it's actually. His birthday, mm-hmm. which I don't think I, I realized until like much later with with his family. His family, speaking of which, by this time, uh, have started to miss him. Yeah, probably because they haven't seen him in yeah. like three <clears throat> days. They haven't seen their eleven year old child and think, huh, that's strange. I normally have to feed more than this. And then the other two, his older brothers, come work. For him, I mean, the guys are working for Macintosh, so the parents just don't see their kids anymore. They're just hanging out with that eccentric billionaire down, yeah. the, down he, the street. Even though, like, they were six pieces of uneaten toast, I'm like, did he just take one bite out of all of them, or were they here at some point and they're not here anymore? What what happened? <laughs> Dad just sitting there alone. Yes, nibbling staring, on a piece of toast. <laughs> He's thinking, like, if they don't come back, I can eat this toast. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a winner would do. Carbo load. <laughs> so we're at the party. I mean, honestly, you could skip straight to the party and not really miss anything. Skip straight past the party and not really miss too. That's true. <laughs> Except the hilarious food buffet. 
So this buffet, <laughs> he put a $10,000 deposit on. There's just like Josh, the production assistant, the one who got the crawdaddy is like, fancy buffet, got it. Three or four super hard oversized rolls, two trays of cut up bell peppers, and what appears to be some undercooked chicken. Yeah. That's it. Opulence. <laughs> and balloons. And Vienna sausages. <laughs> and I know we've seen it time and time again, birthday parties, in movies. We all know those packages that are wrapped in the pretty paper. There's nothing inside of them. We all know that. We're adults. Mm-hmm. In this movie, somehow it's even more obvious that those birthday presents are empty. Like, you see someone come and deliver a package. It's not even wrapped around the back. Oh, it's just wrapped in the that. front. <laughs> And then we have the, a great little exchange between um, Preston and this guy who you think Preston would have had some sort of interaction with since he's the PA and he's like sort of setting everything up. And this guy's like, hey, kid, what are you doing? Why are you touching that stuff? <laughs> Don't touch those presents. He was really angry. He, made he his was eyebrows so angry. Yeah. What it actually was, he didn't realize the camera was rolling. And he was like, don't mess up those packages. We don't have any more wrapping paper. That's why the backs aren't wrapped. Two takes. All right, Randy, you ready? No, no, we got it. It's fine. I have a lot <laughs> right on this job. Don't fuck us up, me kid. I got a future. <laughs> you don't know this, but I'm holding a knife under the table. I'm taking all the crafts home with me. And all the Coca-Cola. <laughs> Oh. oh, also during this party scene, there was a woefully, I, I don't know why Debbie Allen agreed to do this movie. I don't think the two of you are familiar with her. The the party planner? Party planner? Flash the hands. overly southern, just, I don't know what her performance was supposed to be, just like over the top completely. It's so over the top. She looks familiar. Please enlighten me. She, dra- she trained under Delta Burke. No. <laughs> 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 She is a choreographer and a producer, and she worked a lot on uh, A Different World. Her performance annoyed me a little bit, beyond her just being a trope of a Southern woman. But I don't know if she's actually Southern, and they just told her to, like, put it on. like Ratchet it all the way up. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) crank it to 100. But as, you know, we're all mostly from the South, Mm -hmm. I hate poorly done southern accent oh me too and it was so poorly done it was like a mix of annoying valley girl and southern and it's just like if she actually has a southern accent she can't ratchet it up and that was the best she could do yeah. it was like it was like a valley girl and foghorn leghorn <laughs> <laughs> i say i say Later on in the party, after it goes down, that we find out Macintosh has disappeared. Some random character pulls this woman's weave out. <laughs> pulls the party planner's weave out, and it just like no, she doesn't rip it out. She no, just like gently, gen- pulls. gently pulls it away. And I love that this party planner couldn't even play along. She couldn't even like bend her head back. Like, oh, that hurt. And like, no, just take it. Yeah. It's a wig they got at Party City. The party, this is the part of the movie where um, Quigley and Juice and Niedermeyer they finally have catch a, up to Preston. They didn't finally catch up to Preston. Oh. They abducted the crappy kid from the birthday party. And threatened to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> And forced him to show them where he lived. Preston lived. Upon pain of being thrown off like a thousand story bill at a skyscraper. Yeah, which yeah. he would have willingly told them for like $20. Yeah. <laughs> like, nope. It's time to be frugal till I get that bill. But instead, he was going along with it until they like took him up to the top of this building. At which point, he's still smiling. Yeah. <laughs> He's still smiling when they, like, set him on the edge. And it's not until they're like, well, we're going to dang you off this. He's like, no, what? This comes out of nowhere. He's just happy to have a day out. I thought these three adult males wanted to be my friends. He takes them to Preston's actual house. And then he says, oh, he might be a Macintosh. Go to Macintosh. Juice has already kicked down the front door of Preston's actual house. 
and I love him. Love Tom though, as he says, I love with I love the color scheme of this place. <laughs> I, mean, I wonder how much of his lines were actual lines and stuff that he just said. He was improving a lot. It's it felt like it. Him and Henry. Yes, Henry had a nice like two minute uh, improv scene about idioms. Was it? Mm-hmm. Well, the well, kid's face just—he didn't quite know what to do with his face during this time. He's just... And they keep cutting between Henry, and you can see Preston's full body, and then close up of uh, Preston's face. And when it's the full body cut, uh, Preston's face is doing nothing or looking very confused. On the close up, I feel like the director's probably standing right there, like, "All right, show me your sad face. Hey, right, show me a good happy face. Uh huh. Hurry, we're eating a lot of Coca Cola yep. money right now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they break down the door. They go over to Macintosh's and... The party has been shut down mm-hmm. because when the party planner asks for her money, well, Preston goes to get it. What What so, happened? Well, she wants $100,000. <laughs> for, for, for those <laughs> balloons and then bell peppers. <laughs> Preston goes to get it for her. Dun, dun, dun. He only has $336 left. So this computer genius who defrauded a bank and outsmarted a Don't, criminal... I mean, I like how we keep saying defrauded a bank. <laughs> He just like dirt 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 <laughs> walked in at the right time, found the dumbest criminal, and then took a million dollars from him. Really, those people should be so embarrassed they never speak of this again. Like just let the kid keep it. They were asking to have that money blown on water slides. Preston's flat broke, can't play can't pay the party planner. So she shuts down the party. That's when her beautiful weave oh, yeah. definitely gets ripped out of her head. Beautiful asterisk. And then the criminal masterminds stumble upon him. Okay, so Preston is feeling kind of low after his party gets shut down in his giant mansion all by his lonesome. But then there's a knock at the door. And when he opens it, there's the criminals. (laughs) Why did they knock on the door? They're criminals. He's a child. And Tone Loke can just like kick in a door. I know. That door didn't stand a chance. No. Not even to that castle. He kicked down two doors in this movie. (laughs) That's the power of Reebok. <laughs> we should we should we should pepper in a lot of a lot of product placement into the podcast. Yeah. Anyways, I went to Starbucks today. <laughs> we met at Starbucks. It wasn't the same Starbucks. Trey, can you hand me that specifically Kleenex brand box of Kleenex? Sure. It's adorned with the Disney's Moana, mm. now on DVD. I sure do love the taste of Charleston Chew. <laughs> Preston opens the door like a moron. There's the criminals. Then we're treated to the weirdest shift in, in logic because it becomes a sequence straight out of the film uh, Home Alone. Home Alone. Yeah. I mean, the DVD cover says if you love, <laughs> if you like Home Alone, you'll love Blank Check. And they went with Home Alone, and they went with the darker version of Home Alone, like, as an adult, you realize Macaulay Culkin is some sort of sadist in Home Alone. So they're like, well, let's keep going with that. At one point, he locks Quigley inside of his hamster ball, <laughs> hits it with his go-kart straight into the pool. And, like, the hamster ball is locked. He is, he's going to yeah. die. You killed a man. He's going to drown. Miraculously. <laughs> the cage burst open, and you only think Quigley is dead, but he's actually alive. Here to snatch Preston. And then as he comes to and grabs Preston, luckily the horrible fates that befell um, Tone Loke and Niederman, sorry, Juice and Niederman, he's always Tone Loke to me though. Yeah. Uh, they just rush up on him at the same time. But then... Well then those FBI agents, even the sexy one. <laughs> yes. Come out of nowhere to save the day. And then we're looking for Macintosh. If we don't find him, we're taking this child to the (laughs) slammer with little to no evidence. (laughs) Then Quigley somehow doesn't catch on to the fact that they want to arrest Macintosh. He's like, well, I'm Macintosh. This is my house. That's me. Get off my property. And they immediately arrest him. Then they arrest the banker for money laundering. And then they arrest Juice for existing. <laughs> They're like, while we're here, we'll just pick you up too. <laughs> yeah. They've got nothing on them. Do process be damned. <laughs> nobody just come read, on. Nobody was read their Miranda rights. I just want to point that out. Can I just, real quick, this is the FBI we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and according to the film, Quigley just broke out of prison. He broke out of prison. How is the FBI not tracking? They would have to figure out. That that's who they're dealing with. Yeah, at some, at some point you'd think. But it's so silly. Like, the, the logic of the movie says if you just say that your name is something, then, well, 
That's gonna. That's well, a legal name now. But then the other two people who were also with him, they're like, "Oh yeah, that's totally him." So he had. Oh well, yeah, he got he got he had evidence. I didn't yes, think about that. character witnesses. Solid evidence. Just because one of them is a hired goon and the other one is a goon banker doesn't mean they're not good character witnesses. We go from a family-friendly movie and we take a hard right into mild pedophilia. <laughs> So the bad, the the criminals they've been arrested and now and uh, juice for no reason and yeah, the criminals and juice <laughs> and the whole time he's like I'm legally blind. <laughs> so then we go we go from that to uh, Preston and Shay. They're sort of recounting the events that have happened and they're sort of talking to each other. Preston's you know is basically like. So, I guess you don't like like me then. You You're know? just doing it to catch a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, alright, so, Rachel, she, walk us through what happens. But then she, this adult woman, is just like, no, I do. At first it was about catching the criminal, and then it became about me liking you. You're a child, and I like you. And then... And then, and then he's like, well, so is there any chance, you know, can we make it work out? And, and she's just like, why don't you call me in like 10 years? And Five. Seven. Six. And they decide on six, which if he's 11, <laughs> he's still going to be a minor at that point. So she's playing with fire. I don't know where she's, in six years, you're still breaking the law. I just want to, rem- I just want to paint a picture. They're inside the castle, surrounded by officers yes. as they seize and look for evidence. And then you're going to need some eyeball bleach for after this. The grown woman kisses that child. I mean, it's not open mouth or anything, but she still kisses him seconds before his dad comes and could have stopped this criminal activity. (laughs) But he is, uh, I think, this part I wanted to ask you about because the dad is kind of the only character who has any sort of arc. He does have character growth. Yes. Yes. Because he does come to the realization he cared too much about money and he was pushing his son too hard. And his son kind of learned that he liked his family. Yeah, he learned that money wasn't the most important thing, but, like, did he really? He just spent it all. I don't know if I feel character growth from him. I feel character growth from the dad. And the dad is a legitimate actor. He's been in plenty. A ton of stuff. So much stuff. He's that guy from that thing. He's definitely that guy from that thing. I think after this movie that Kid Preston stopped being in movies. Okay. Um, but probably because he's so scarred from that older woman <laughs> kissing him. They got two takes on that one as well. Nice, 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 nice. Yes, yeah, so South Park has taught me anything. <laughs> as long as it's an older woman going after a child that is a boy, good to go. If I may, you pesky 30-year-olds. I'm going to take you guys back to when I was 11 years old and I saw this movie Being kissed by a time. woman. <laughs> Look, they knew their target audience, and when I was 11 and I was watching this, I saw nothing wrong with that scene at all. I thought it was the most, like, yeah, I guess that would happen. I mean, you know, he's not my cup of tea, but I guess Preston's cute. I can see why she would kiss him. I get it. And you know what? Maybe maybe a grown woman will kiss me someday. I hope not. I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. <laughs> <laughs> So it was totally fine for me when I was a 11-year-old kid. Right. Cut to... Wait, you're closer to your mid-30s now. How would you... Now I'm Shay's age. <laughs> How would you feel about kissing That's the most a disgusting child. thing I've ever seen. It's terrible. And, and it's so weird because she does it in a room full of cops and nobody's like... <laughs> I was like, holy shit, that... Isn't she in the FBI? Should, Why is she kissing that kid? Should we... T- I mean... It's not our jurisdiction, but we should should we turn a blind eye to that molestation going on? That's fine. The fact that she says she's I don't know what's worse for me. The fact that she says like I'm definitely into you or that she kisses him. I'm not sure which is grosser. They're both gross. So gross they deserve the fake word grosser to be put on it, but Yes. I'm not sure which we need new words. Anymore. New words, definitely. <laughs> so after this light molestation, let's let's call it what it is, light molestation. He's fine, he's fine, scarred for life. Uh, Preston's walking back to this house with his dad, and he never actually cops to actually um, being Macintosh and lying to everybody and blowing through a million dollars in a week. Right. I mean, even at 11, I can see why he didn't do it. But even if, like, in my 30s, if I got away with stealing and spending a million dollars, that's going to my grave. <laughs> yes. So then he goes back to his house, and surprise, surprise, 
his family is perfect now. And they all love him and they missed him so much. It's straight in like the visuals they give to this because all throughout this movie, the mom, her hair is rarely brushed. It's rarely done anything but in a messy bun. She's wearing a lot of schlubby sweaters. And then at the end of the movie, she is wearing a leave it to beaver dress, a string of pearls, and her hair is perfectly coiffed. It's so weird. And like the well, brothers. She thought, she thought Macintosh was coming over. <laughs> <laughs> and the brothers dressed like kids in 1994 would have dressed. And at the end of the movie, to sing happy birthday to the brother that they've treated like garbage the whole time, they're nothing but smiles wearing matching blue sweaters. It's very off putting. <laughs> Just like, so your family is pod peoples now. <laughs> let's let's stand here while they whisper sing happy birthday to you. They look like the they look like the two middle children from the Hogan family. You know. Is that reference going back too far? Yes. I apologize. Hundred mm-hmm. yeah. percent. Look it up, Jason Bateman fans. <laughs> <laughs> so we've come to the natural conclusion of blank check. I would like to say real quick, it has a score of thirteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Yes. It is low. I guess other people thought his direction was really weird. And before we wrap this up, I'd like to say that uh, today's podcast was brought to you by Schiffman's Jewelers (laughs) and their heart-shaped, shitty-looking gold (laughs) necklace. That's what they call it. (laughs) All right, so we've come to the part of the podcast where we decide, is it a cash grab? Trey, do you know what a cash grab is? I do not. Please explain. Let me enlighten you and everyone else out there. According to Wikipedia, a cash grab is a piece of art, music, or film that is made solely by the creator for money. Oh. For no integrity. So, blank check. Is it a cash grab or an earnest attempt at art that just... Oh, was that a real question? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, definitely. Cash grab. That was... <laughs> I was really trying to, like, see if there was uh, some way that that could not be the case. Wait, okay, if I have to say something artful about this movie, it is that the brown filter that was pretty much over everything was really nice. (laughs) It was actually shot through a glass of Coca-Cola. Oh! (laughs) The the ultimate product placement. It's it's super liminal. Anyways, I'm really thirsty. You guys want to yeah. coke? Uh, Josh. I would say it's definitely a cash grab. So much. There's so much product placement in it, and it's so obviously, even from the DVD case, if you liked Home Alone, you'll like this. If you were one of the people that made Home Alone hundreds of millions of dollars, chances are you might give us five bucks. <laughs> I'm going to say I do think it's cash grab, but it's a small but. I do think the director really wanted to make some form of art. He just wasn't sure how to do it. And he wasn't sure where to draw from. Like, there's no... What word am I think, looking for? Consistency, there's, coherence, there's like, no there's no line at all. Yeah, there's no consistency <laughs> on where he's drawing his inspiration from. There's no consistency on how he's going to edit this together. It's so strangely put together, and it really does feel like he gave everyone one or two chances. Like, good enough, moving on. There was that one amazing, I remember I I pointed it out when it happened. It was in the scene where Preston bravely runs away from the criminals, who are chasing him in a Jaguar, by the way. Oh yeah, and he's on a bike. And he's on a bike. And and they are in a park. He is, and they're in a park. And he is smoking them. Yeah. And, um, There's some weird bike physics in this in this movie. Yeah. But he finally gets away and they can't follow him anymore. And so there's an entire camera set up for him to just pause and with two armed two arm pumps go, yes! <laughs> and that's it! It was glorious. It was amazing. It was so 94. That's the same year that Pulp Fiction came out, by the way. <laughs> and The Lion King. And I believe Clerks. Too much competition for this movie. The main character, Preston, is played by someone named Brian Bonzel. This was the last movie he was ever in. And if you are interested into what he's doing now, you can follow him at Mr. Brian Bonzel on Twitter. Can I read his about on his Twitter? Please do. Currently on Vans Warped Tour, wannabe skater, born in California, actor, guitar. And maybe some other stuff, too. I don't know. Be sweet. Warped Tour? Warped Tour. Currently? Currently. That's okay. What it is. 
Bands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know what's a comfortable shoe? Vans. Vans. I yes. love Vans. They're no Reebok, but... Vans. Not just for skating, for walking, looking cool, and hanging with your friends. Vans. <laughs> Goes great with Coca-Cola. <laughs> Give us money. <laughs> we would like to send a genuine special shout-out to a supporter of ours who has bought a new microphone for us, so if we sound even better than last time, thank you, Dennis. Trey... Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was a delight. It was. Schlubbing through another cash grab. Not sure what we're going to watch next week, but we are going to aim to have zero pedophilia. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Last week we reviewed The Seeker. He also is pursued by an adult woman. Yeah, we got oh, okay. to choose really carefully because we're starting to have a we're starting to trend it, and I don't it, like it. Yeah, no, no, no. So I see where you're st- setting your standards bar. Okay, that's that's cool. <laughs> Real low. Lots of room to grow from there. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Cash Grab Cinema, and we'll see you next time.